Yo, 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 yo. What's up, all you burner stoners and potheads? This is Weedman420 with the Weedman420 Chronicles. How are all you v -v 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 vipers doing out there, Mrs. Weedman? Mr. Weedman. How the hell are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing better than yesterday, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> hey, all you burner stoners and potheads out there, hopefully you're smoking some big fat doinks while you're listening to the show. And we're going to get normal. I need it. You ready? I'm ready. All right. We're smoking some... Go ahead and light that up, Mrs. Yeah, Man. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. We're smoking some Bubba Zanetti. And this is a, a Bubba Kush and OZ, OZ Kush blend. And it's about 17% THC. Not much more information I can find about this. It's from a local uh, cultivator here. Someone gave me gave me this because they knew I'm a Kush fan. So... Uh, and so is Mrs. Weedman. So we're smoking this on the show today. And while Mrs. Weedman is lighting that big fat toink up, I'm going to tell you what happened. Mr. Weedman, his Instagram got hacked. And it was Monday morning. I uh, posted a post. And this one, I don't even know if it's a real person or who this person is, but has been for about a couple months now, asking me to vote for this person as a bud tender trying to win an award, but also money. And he kept on, or this person kept on asking me to vote. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, I will. And I never did it because I thought it was a scam. But by like the 50th time, he really threw the family thing at me and I felt kind of compelled to vote for this person. So I clicked on it like a fool. And as soon as I clicked on it, bam, hacked. Mm. And my heart went from being very mellow to about one bazillion miles per hour. <laughs> and I was in a panic. And it totally ruined my the account that has taken me a long time to build. And I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm not, I'm trying, trying to build a bunch of stoners, burners, and potheads on my Instagram account just to talk to people, to fellow burner stoners and potheads, to build a just some good relationships and have some good fun and some good laughs and just to enjoy social media. I'm not a huge fan of social media. I think it's used in the wrong way. I think we've kind of forgot what social media was actually made for, and I think now today it's just one big commercial. And... uh I was upset for a couple of reasons. I was upset because I lost all the people I've gotten to know, all the DMs I've gotten over the last four years since I started the account, all the people that have reached out to me, all the people I've reached out to, it's all gone. All the pictures that I have most of them saved, but a lot of pictures that were just quick videos that I've lost that didn't save. Uh, the fun experiences I've had with just having fun on my Instagram account, all the concerts we've went to, all the pictures we've taken, all the, just everything. You know, it was just, it was an upsetting day. And then the other reason why I was upset, I have 31, and it's not a lot of people, it's just a lot of people who I've gotten to know and enjoy, 3,100 followers, and I follow about 2,800 people, because I always believe if you follow me, I'm going to follow you. And the one thing that made me the most upset, and especially throughout the day, is it hit me more and more, was how many more people now that he, this person can go after using my account and spam and hack them. And I feel responsible for that. Posing as you. Posing as me. And I feel really responsible for that because I think using social media 
as something good, you have a responsibility to the people that follow you. You have a responsibility to them. And to not only just make sure that your identity gets stolen and now being used against you that might hurt other other people can get think it was me and might copy the link or pay or click on the link or whatever so it's just like it, it was very i guess it, would, it it hurt my heart because i don't want anyone getting hacked either with my account because people learn to trust you mm-hmm. you know and you learn to trust them and my trusting gut knew i shouldn't have clicked on it but i did well, and the downfall, too, is that the way that the algorithms work, which we don't know how they work, we make assumptions about how they work, but you only see, you know, if you've got, even if you have 300 followers, you only see in your stories and on your feed maybe a third of those people. Yeah. So there are a lot of your followers that have no idea that you're hacked, and the account is still active. It's still there. Right. But they've completely like even the face recognition Mr. Weedman can't even get in through face recognition. He can't get in through his passwords. He's reached out to Instagram. They have not responded. So there's no way to gain access to his own account. So it's killing him because it's sitting there and this person has full control over it. And I'll I'll pop on there and it'll show in in the DMs that the person has was active 5 hours ago, 15 minutes ago, and I send them really really nice sweet <laughs> sweet sweet messages. <laughs> Maybe not, but I do send them some messages and I give them a hammer. It's just so it's just so yeah, shitty. It's like- just so shitty. And so the concern is because if you were a follower of ours and we don't show up in your feed or Mr. Weedman's uh, stuff doesn't show up in your feed or in your stories, so you don't necessarily see his posts all the time, you would have missed that he got spammed or hacked. And then you're going to miss that there's a new account. And then you're going to miss that this hacking happened. And if you get a DM from Mr. Weedman... It's Weedman420 Chronicles. You... You may not realize all of these things, and then, yes, someone could get hacked also thinking that they're responding to something from you. Right. So it just sucks. But Instagram is on the alert. I did I did. That's email. all you can I, do. I did email. It's, it's one thing, too, I hate about social media is you can't talk to anybody. Right. And the FBI, actually, on the FBI's website, they even want you to report cyber crimes as small as social media hacking because they, it won't stop until someone stops it. So we did put in a report with the FBI. They're going to see that it's from a cannabis site, and they're probably going to be like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, maybe they won't. Yeah, uh, you so, know? so Mr. Weedman is not in Bitcoin. No. I didn't get, I didn't, I'm not a millionaire in Bitcoin. So. And we don't know this person that they keep tagging yeah. in the posts. So just... Uh, so. Just don't follow. Yeah, any I don't of think it. I'll ever get the account back. I don't know if Instagram will give me the account back. Hopefully, they at least deactivate it. But I would report it as much as you possibly can. And please do not click on anything from Weedman420 Chronicles. My new Instagram is Weedman420 Chronicles 2.0. That's me. That's Mr. Weedman. So, Weedman420 Chronicles 2.0. All right. So thanks for everybody out there for the support so far. I've reached out to me, and I really appreciate it. Uh, it was a very, very sad day. So yeah. I was pissed off, very mad. The F bomb. Oh, Mr. Mr. Weedman was like was hot. smoking. Oh yeah, I was hot. 
Yeah, there was no <laughs> rationalizing with, with Mr. There, Weedman yesterday. There, there was one point <laughs> I thought I was going to put my fist through the wall. Yeah. Yeah. There was one point I was so angry at myself for being an idiot that the hand almost went through the wall. And which has been, I've gone through some doors with my hand. So, I mean, but I didn't want to ruin my nice new studio wall. <laughs> <laughs> we watched a, um, a new, just three part, like a three I don't show. even think it's new. I think it was from like 2019. Oh, really? Yeah. Or so something. it was a three, it was three episodes, very short. What was the name of it again? It is called Almost Australian. Almost Australian. And with. The star who was in Babe. Marion, Miriam Margulies. Margulies. And also she was in Harry Potter. Harry Potter. As one of the professors. Yes. And she was so cute. Oh my God, she's so likable. Yes. Has a very uh, 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 good sense of humor, but also could throw the one-liners at you very Mm -hmm. well. Um, She was cute. I I love that she had an open mind and an open heart going through Australia and I do have to say Australia is such a fucking beautiful Amazing. country. Oh my goodness. So a little backstory is that she is from the UK. The UK and has had a Australian uh, partner, partner yep. for like years and years and years and has been going to Australia to see her partner and spend time with her partner and then ultimately just became an Australian citizen after I think she said in its entirety, like 40 years of traveling there. So she felt like it was her duty uh, now that she's become, you know, an official citizen of Australia to learn what it means to be Australian. So she went around the Australian countryside mostly. Sometimes she was In a little Winnebago. In a little Winnebago. And she traveled to all these towns and met all different people. Everybody was native to Australia. They were Australians. And she want, she asked each of them, what does it mean to be Australian to you? What, like, what is Australia to you? What is this? What does it mean to be here? What does it mean to be Australian? Talk to me. And she got such dynamic, different um, answers. answers from everybody. And she has a really cool vocabulary. She's, she sounds very well-read when she speaks, but she's not... Um, like a, an, an educational elitist. She's no. not, she doesn't talk down to anybody. She's like, she can, you know, she'll talk about shit and tits and fuck this. And, you know, she has no problem with just being yeah. an everyday talker. But then she has these nuances and these ways of speaking that are very, I don't know, I like how she speaks. Yes. It's pretty cool. And so she talks to these people and she just says, I want to hear your story. Like, She'll just engage with somebody, and I guess if it triggered something that seemed unique to her, she'd sit down with the people and say, can you please tell me your story? Right. Tell me why you're here. Tell me what you're all about. And it was it was interesting. It was because, so cool. Yeah, and it was interesting because there was some people that she didn't agree with their, their mm-hmm. way of what they did or work or lived or whatever, and she actually like learned a lot of stuff from these people and came out of there going, you know what? I need to learn yeah. more. I need to grow more. You've taught more. me something. She yeah. kept saying, you've taught yeah. me something You've taught today. me something today. And, and that was good because she went into all these places. And after she got to know people, she came out learning and crying growing. sometimes. Yeah, crying sometimes. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. It, it's very sweet. Yes. It's just an it, easy watch. Yeah, it's three so episodes. Pleasant. Yeah. Three, I think it was three one hour episodes. I just, I, I truly enjoyed it to learn about the culture of, Australia and also seeing that beautiful country. Yeah. Oh gosh. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, we have a friend, Tez, and 
yeah. We need to come visit you we out need in Perth, to come, we, Now we know how much we're missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and our friend Terp Fiend out there, too. Yep, yep. I mean, uh, Reefer Terp's out there. So We uh, will get out there. Yeah, I would love to come and visit Beautiful. after seeing that show, too. And I've always been a big fan. I've watched so many animal shows about Australia, so, I mean, it's like time I, we make a trip out there. So, um, good stuff. You ready to get the show started, Ms. Weed, man? I am ready. Cannabis-derived products like Delta-8 THC and Delta-10 THC have flooded the U.S. market to uh, immunologists explain the medicinal benefits and potential risk. These days, you see signs for Delta-8, Delta-10, and CBD everywhere at gas stations, convenience stores, vape shops, and online. Many people are rightly wondering which of these compounds are legal, whether it is safe to consume them, and if their supposed uh, medicinal benefits hold up to scientific scrutiny. The rapid prolification of cannabis products makes clear the need for the public to better understand what these compounds are derived from and what their true benefits and potential risks may be. We've talked a lot about, enough about Delta-8, Delta-10, all, all the new deltas and all the new cannabinoids that they're finding and the ones that they're making and stuff. So um, they are trying to ban Delta-8 in a ton of states right now, and they have in a ton of states right now, but you still, you still can get it online. You can still find states that do sell it. So these immunologists said they see great promise in the product and the medical applications, but they also have some concerns. So praising the differences between cannabis and hemp, and this will help Mrs. Weedman because we were talking about this last time. So uh, cannabis sativa, the most common type of cannabis plant, has more than 100 compounds called cannabinoids. The most well-studied cannabinoids extracted from the cannabis plant include delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol and delta-9 THC, which is the psychoactive, a psychoactive compound, in one of the effects on how the brain functions, thereby altering mood, awareness, thoughts, feelings, behavior. Delta-9 THC is the main cannabinoid responsible for the high associated with uh, marijuana. CBD, in contrast, is non-psychoactive. Marijuana and hemp are two different varieties of the plant. You ready, Mrs. Weedman? Mm -hmm. All right. In the U.S., federal regulations stipulate that cannabis plants containing greater than 0.3% Delta-9 THC should be classified as marijuana, while plants containing less should be classified as hemp. Okay, stop right there. Still doesn't explain the whole thing. Well, because it's just they're saying it is the cannabis plant, and what makes it a hemp plant versus a cannabis that you consume plant is the level of THC. Right. But some ways that it's explained is that they are genetically two different plants. Yes. And so there is a hemp plant and there is a cannabis plant. Yes. It's not having to do with just the determining factor of the THC level. Right. So which one is it? This is this is <laughs> just so, saying here what's the difference I mean, between really, the two. I mean really it's the same plant. It is. Both derived from but the cannabis. But different varieties just like you've got There you go. This rose and that. A rose right. of Sharon and a rosy rose. There you whatever. go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep it simple. The marijuana grown today has high levels from 10% to 30% of Delta-9, while hemp plants contain 5 to 15% CBD. There's another difference. In 2018, the Food and Drug Administration approved the use of, of CBD extracted from cannabis plants to treat epilepsy. In addition to being a source of CBD, hemp plants can be used commercially for a variety of other plants, such as textiles, paper, medicine, food, animal feed, biofeed, uh, biofuel, biodegradable plastics, and construction material. That should be used for everything now. Like, get rid of petroleum plastic. Get rid, stop cutting down trees. Stop using petroleum that's in your medicine. I don't know if you all knew that, but there is petroleum in your medicine. Look it up. 
Recognizing the potential broad application of hemp when Congress passed the Agricultural Improvement Act called the Farm Bill in 2018 and removed hemp from the category of controlled substances, this made it legal to grow hemp. When hemp-derived CBD saturated the markets after passing the Farm Bill, CBD manufacturers began hara- uh, harnessing the technical powers to derive other forms of cannabinoids from CBD. This led to the emergence of Delta-8 and Delta-10. The chemical difference between Delta-8 and Delta-9 and Delta-10 is the position of the double bond and the carbon atoms that structurally share. So we've talked about the makings of all three. So the properties of Delta-9 was one of the first forms of cannabinoid to be isolated from the cannabis plant in 1964. The highly psychoactive property of Delta-9 is based on its ability to activate certain cannabinoid receptors called CB1 in the brain. The receptor CB1 is the lock that can be opened by a specific key. In this case, Delta-9 THC allowing the latter to affect certain cell functions. Delta-9 THC mimics the cannabinoids called endocannabinoids in our bodies, naturally produced. Because Delta-9 THC emulates the actions of endocannabinoids, it also affects the same brain function they regulate, such as appetite, learning, memory, anxiety, depression, pain, sleep, mood, body temperature, and immune response. The FDA approved Delta-9 THC in 1985 to treat chemotherapy, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting in cancer patients and in 1992 to stimulate appetite, HIV-AIDS in patients, HIV-AIDS patients. I didn't know that. Uh, now maybe I read it on a prior episode. Cannabidiol. This is THC, They're Delta-9. They're saying straight up. Straight like, up Delta-9 oh. in 1985. The FDA approved it. The National Academy of Science has reported that cannabis is effective in alleviating chronic pain in adults and for improving muscle stiffness in patients with multiple sclerosis and autoimmune disease. The report also suggested that cannabis may help sleep outcomes in fibromyalgia, a medicinal, a medical condition in which patients complain of fatigue and pain throughout the body. In fact, the combination of Delta-9 and CBD has been used to treat muscle stiffness and spasms and multiple sclerosis. The medicine called uh, Sativex is approved in many countries, but not yet in the U.S., so, also, Delta-9 activates the CB2 receptors, which express mainly on immune cells. Studies from a laboratory have shown that Delta-9 THC can suppress inflammation through the activation of the CB2. This makes it highly effective in the treatment of autoimmune disease like multiple sclerosis and colitis, as well as inflammation of the lungs called by bacterial toxins. However, Delta-9 THC has not been approved by the FDA for ailments such as pain, sleep, disorders, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disease. This has led to people self-medicating. Delta-8 is a cousin of Delta-9. It's found in very small quantities in the cannabis plant. Delta-8 is widely marketed in the U.S. as a derivative of hemp hemp CBD. Delta-8 THC binds to CB1 receptors less strongly than Delta-9, which is what makes it less psychoactive than Delta-9. People who seek Delta-8 for those medicinal benefits seem to prefer it over Delta-9 because Delta-8 does not cause them to get very psychoactive, very high. Hmm. Delta-8 THC binds to the CB2 receptors with a similar strength as Delta-9 THC, and because activation of CB2 plays a critical role in suppressing inflammation, Delta-8 can be potentially be pref- uh, preferable over Delta-9 for treating inflammation since it's less psychoactive. I don't understand hmm. why they're banning it in so many states. Well, in the this. beginning, weren't they saying that like it could only be synthetically extracted or something like yeah. that? Yeah. But they're finding ways to do it now just through the plant. It's very low levels. So because there's so little. Yeah. So, But my thing is, though, why are they banning this? If you don't want it to be sold in gas stations and head shops, then let dispensaries sell it. Mm-hmm. As a lesser 
alternative to Delta 9, so you're not It's kind so of like a happy medium between CBD and THC. It has both in yeah. it, but it, like, is it a higher level CBD and a lower level? It's not CBD. It's not Delta, even CBD Delta at all? Delta 8 is its own cannabinoid. Uh, its own cannabinoid. It has no CBD in it. No, it's just Delta, there's Delta 9 that doesn't right. have CBD in it. It's a cannabinoid. CBD is a cannabinoid. Delta 8 is a cannabinoid. Delta 10 is a cannabinoid. And all the other cannabinoids, CBC, CBN, uh, THCV. But our regular cannabis that we smoke, THC, Delta 9, has some CBD in it. Some some plants might yeah. have very minute, mm, 1%. Two percent. So when you buy the ratio, they're adding extra CBD. No, they're just growing it that way. There's a plant they're growing to have that ratio in that plant. That's if you're smoking flour. If you're getting edibles or stuff like that, they are adding. They're just using a yes, concentrate. They're using a concentrate. Right. Yes. So there are no published clinical studies thus far on whether delta eight THC can be used to treat the clinical disorders such as chemotherapy-induced nausea or appetite stimulation for HIV and AIDS patients. They are responsive to Delta-9. However, animal studies from a laboratory have shown that Delta-8-THC is also effective in the treatment of multiple sclerosis. The sale of Delta-8, especially in states where cannabis is legal, has become highly controversial. Federal agencies consider all compounds isolated from cannabis or synthetic forms similar to THC scheduled one controlled substances, which means they currently have no accepted medical use and have considerable potential for abuse. This is what the problem is. You know, you can't learn about anything. Everything's all being blocked. So, however, hemp manufacturers argue that Delta-8 THC should be legal because it's derived from CBD isolated plants from legally cultivated hemp plants. Mm -hmm. So it's coming from the, C the CBD, the hemp right, plant, right. but it's a separate cannabinoid that's derived from the, from the CBD. So it is, it's a different cannabinoid. So complex. <laughs> it's science, science, science. Mm -hmm. Now it's Delta-10's emergence. Delta-10, another chemical cousin of Delta-9 and Delta-8, has recently entered the market. Scientists do not yet know how much about the new cannabinoid Delta-10 THC is also derived from the hemp CBD People have anecdotally reported feeling euphoric and more focused after consuming Delta-10 THC. Also, anecdotally, people who consume Delta-10 say it causes less of a high than Delta-8. And virtually nothing is known about the medicinal properties of Delta-10, yet it has been marketed in similar ways as the other more well-studied cannabinoids. So, uh, the future of cannabinoid derivatives. Research and clinical trials using cannabis, uh, marijuana, or Delta-9 THC to treat many medicinal conditions have been hampered by their classification of Schedule One substances. In addition, the psychoactive pro properties of cannabis and Delta-9 create side effects or brain functions, the high associated with the cause some people to feel sick or they simply hate the sensation. This limits their usefulness in treating clinical disorders. In contrast, uh, these uh, scientists feel that Delta-8 and Delta-10 THC are, as well as other potential cannabinoids that could be isolated from the cannabis plant or synthesized in the future hold great promise. With their strong active activity against the CB2 receptors and their low psychoactive properties, we believe, they believe, they offer new therapeutic opportunities to treat a variety of medicinal conditions. So... Just remember that 8 and 10 are derived from the CBD hemp plant. It could be grown in the cannabis plant, but it's not being grown. Those cannabinoids aren't being found in there because it's been, it's just most of these are, what we smoke is being grown strictly for THC and terpene flavor and stuff like that. So did it make a little bit more sense? Yes. Do you understand a little bit more? Yes. Good. Ask me next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how much I retain. <laughs> You know what's crazy? For years, I've always heard 
you ain't you ain't token unless you're choking. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I've heard it thousands of times. You ain't getting high if you unless you cough. And I, I, I've always called kind of bullshit on that. But sometimes you thought it you thought it might have been true. This article here you're about to read has like a lot of good information about it. It sure does. Yeah. So yeah. just cough and get you higher. Well, let's find out. We have the truth about smoking weed. Weed is one of the most popular recreational drugs enjoyed by millions of people around the world. Whether you're smoking a joint, hitting a bong, or taking a dab, getting high is the main goal. But there are many myths and misconceptions about what can affect your high. One of the most common questions, does coughing make you higher? Well, let's take a look at the science behind this. Uh, when you inhale smoke from a joint, bong, or other smoking device, the smoke contains a mixture of chemicals, including THC, additional cannabinoids, terpenes, and other plant matter. When you inhale the smoke, it passes through your lungs, where it is then absorbed into your bloodstream. When you inhale smoke, your body's natural reaction is to cough. Coughing is a reflex action that helps to clear your airways of irritants. When you cough, your diaphragm and other muscles contract forcefully, causing a sudden burst of air to be expelled from your lungs. This can help to expel any smoke that may have gotten trapped in your airways and can also help to increase the amount of oxygen in your lungs. So does coughing actually affect your high? Well, that answer is really complicated. On one hand, coughing can cause a temporary increase in blood flow to your brain, which can enhance the effects of THC. On the other hand, coughing can cause you to exhale more smoke, which can lead to a decrease in the amount of THC that is absorbed into your bloodstream. To understand the relationship between coughing and THC absorption, let's take a closer look at how THC is absorbed into your body. When you inhale smoke, the smoke or the THC, is absorbed into your bloodstream through tiny blood vessels in your lungs. From there, it is transported to the brain where it binds to cannabinoid receptors and produces its psychoactive effects. However, not all of the THC that you inhale is absorbed into your bloodstream. Some of it can get trapped in your airways or be exhaled before it has a chance to be absorbed. This is where coughing can come into play. When you cough, you expel the air from your lungs, which can help to push out the smoke that may be trapped in your airways. However, this can also cause you to exhale more THC, which can decrease the amount that is absorbed into your bloodstream. Therefore, coughing can have both a positive and negative effect on your high. Another factor to consider when looking at the relationship between coughing and getting high is the role of other cannabinoids in coughing. THC is just one of the many active compounds found in weed, and it's not the only one that can affect your high. One of the other cannabinoids found in weed is CBD. CBD is known for its anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving properties, and it can also help to reduce anxiety and stress. Some studies have suggested that CBD may also help to reduce coughing by suppressing the reflex. So if you're smoking weed that contains high levels of CBD, you may be less likely to cough, which could affect your overall high. Additionally, some terpenes have been shown to have anti-inflammatory and, and bronchodilatory effects, which did could also... Did you practice that? I did. <laughs> well, just once. <laughs> I sounded it out. <laughs> and that could also help to reduce coughing. 
Now that we've looked at the science behind coughing and getting high, let's take a closer look at some of the myths and misconceptions surrounding this topic. One of the most common myths is that coughing makes you higher. We, this is kind of redundant in this article. That is true because coughing, what, students, what can it do? It can increase blood flow to your brain. <laughs> it's likely, or it's unlikely, I'm sorry, that coughing alone will significantly increase your high. Another myth is that holding in your hits can increase your high. While it's true that holding in your hits can lead to a slightly higher concentration of THC in your bloodstream, it's unlikely to have a significant impact on your overall high. In fact, holding in your hits for too long can actually be harmful. It can lead to increased tar and other harmful chemicals in your lungs. If you're some, I've heard, I've heard that um, you shouldn't hold it in more than three point five seconds. Who's counting? It's just what I read. Yeah. Yeah. When I was reading this article f before I sent it over to you, <laughs> I looked some other stuff up about like how long should three you hold your hit? Seconds? Three point five seconds. Hmm. How long you should. You shouldn't go any longer because of the harmful effects of the tar and all gotcha. that kind of stuff. Hmm. I'm not saying you can hold the fucking hit as long as, as, you, long want. as you want. I just wanted to know what, what was the... what. Right, if it was know. good or bad. Yeah. Well, one of the most important things is to make sure you're inhaling the smoke correctly. This means taking slow, deep breaths and inhaling the smoke into your lungs rather than just your throat. Another thing you can do is to use filters or other devices to reduce the harshness of the smoke. There are many different types of filters available, including activated charcoal and glass. The filters can help to remove some of the harmful chemicals and particulate matter from the smoke, which can reduce coughing and make the smoke smoother and more enjoyable. And to alleviate a sore throat after coughing, here are some remedies. Gargle salt water, drink cold water, consume warm liquids, suck on hard candy, eat cold food, use a humidifier, and take a smoke break. And as you see, the answer is not as straightforward as you think. While coughing can increase blood flow, where? To your brain. To brain. Enhancing the effects of THC, it can also what? Exhale more smoke. And what does that do? It decreases the amount of THC absorbed in your bloodstream. <laughs> so, ultimately, the best way to enjoy your weed and get the most out of your high is to experiment and find what works best for you. Whether you prefer to cough or not, there's no denying that smoking weed can be fun and enjoyable. Just make sure to take care of your lungs and always use weed responsibly. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll find out that coughing really does get you higher. Until then, happy smoking. <laughs> you know, when I smoke, is kind of like when you take a nice breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. This is kind of the opposite because you're taking it in through your mouth. But take, I'm not telling you to like, don't rate. Mrs. We, I've, I know why Mrs. Wee Man coughs a lot because she hits it too hard and too no, fast. I don't. When you cough, you do. I've watched you. I've watched you do it, and I'm like, you just took that in way too hard and way too fast. So if I smoke from a bong? I've seen you do it on the steamroll. I've seen you do it in a bowl. All right. I've seen you do it in a joint. It's not your fault. It's just sometimes you just get it and you just smoke. You don't realize that. Why do you like smoking out of the steamroller so much? Because I can control my right. intake. 
And that's what you need to do when you're smoking a joint or you're smoking a bong. You need to learn to control your intake. I so don't you, really, I don't hit joints super, super hard. No, you don't really cough from joints as much no. as you do from uh, bowls and bongs and stuff like that because you just try to take that intake too fast. Just learn to slow it down. What's what's the rush? You ain't running. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about everybody. Just... No, you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. But it's I'm just, all right. the point is, Learn to control your hit. Hey. Take it nice. I control a lot of things. Control your intake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did 420... I'm going to work on it. You are? Yeah. Good. We'll practice right now. Take a hit okay. of that joint. <laughs> Let's get more high. <laughs> Did 420 prove to be the hit uh, for cannabis customers this year? 420 was fun. It's, a, it's always a great time, but it is now becoming very commercialized, very... Very go to the store and buy, 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 buy. Kind of like a Christmas holiday. Kind of like uh, Black Wednesday. Uh, kind of like, or Black Friday. Or kind of like you know the week before Christmas Eve when everybody's out there shopping, shopping, sales, 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 sales. It's not what 420 is about. Sorry, I'm just gonna say it. It's not what 420 is about. It's not what the Waldos have wanted 420 to really be. A day of sales. A day of getting people in the door to consume, to buy, so you can go home and consume. 420 should be a day of relaxation, a day of not going to the store, a day of sitting with your with your fellow burnistoters and potheads and to enjoy what cannabis and what 420 the time, not the date is truly all about. 420 is every day. So, was it good this year? It was it was very busy. Let's let, let me tell you all what you spent out there. So, according to headset, uh Visual 420 cannabis sales report that real-time market insights analyzing sales per minute showed that the day accumulated more than $100 million in total total transactions. Total transactions. In fact, sales peaked at $160,000 per minute. So you think you all spent some money? Even, uh-huh. with, even with Dutchie going down like it did, you all still went out there and, and, and supported local uh, businesses and went and bought cannabis on 420. So, you know... Uh, it was a 169% increase in debit transaction, hmm. but cash still accounted for 83% of all transactions on 420. Crazy, crazy amount of money being spent on 420. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think 420 was success for the uh, for the people buying cannabis because it was a shit ton of sales, and also for the dispensaries and the cultivators too. So, but next year, realize it. Go get a cannabis from a home grower and just go fucking enjoy it with your fellow stoners, burners, and potheads. <laughs> just my opinion. Quality of life. Don't we all want a better quality of life? Yeah. So tell us about this better quality of life. Yeah. Medical marijuana improves the quality of life because it reduces opioid use in chronic pain patients. This is a great story. Many cannabis advocates and consumers are already aware of the many benefits of the plant, one being its potential to curb opioid use and potentially replace opioids as a treatment for pain in certain cases. According to an observational study published in the journal Expert Review of Neurotherapeutics, patients with chronic pain who use cannabis products for six months not only reported decreases in their daily opioid consumption, but also improvements in their health-related quality of life. 
The study evaluated more than 700 chronic pain patients enrolled in the UK Medical Cannabis Registry who were treated with plant-derived cannabis products, such as oils, flour, or a combination of both. All patients were provided access to cannabis products through a doctor's authorization. In the introduction, despite growing evidence implicating cannabis-based medicinal products as a viable chronic pain treatment, the results have been wide-ranging, differing based on the type of cannabis-based medical, I'm sorry, cannabis-based medicinal product administered, chronic pain type assessed, and study duration. They added that more research is still needed regarding the long-term safety of cannabis-based medicinal products, or CBMP, along with factors such as the route of administration, age, body mass index, and prior cannabis exposures influence on safety. As further clinical trials addressing these unknowns are awaited, patients' registries can assist by collecting prospective data from patients prescribed cannabis-based medicinal products in a real-world setting, authors continue. Researchers assessed the, uh, the efficacy of medicinal cannabis for participants at one, three, and six months. Primary outcomes were measured through a number of questionnaires, specifically asking patients to rate their pain, share the character and severity of their pain, rate their sleep quality, share frequency of anxiety symptoms, gauge problems with mobility, and overall gauge if a patient's quality of life has improved or declined since starting treatment. The results were consistent with previous studies, as investigators reported that treatment with oil-based products, dried flour, or a combination of both are associated with statistically significant improvements in pain relief and sleep quality from chronic pain patients after six months of treatment. Additionally, patients prescribed cannabis-based medicinal products experienced reduced anxiety and improvement in their ability to perform daily activities, researchers continued. Patients prescribed cannabis-based medicinal products recorded improvements in their self-care and mobility abilities. Collectively, this evidence signals that the initiation of CBMP treatment is associated with improved health-related quality of life. Amen to that. Yeah. Looking ahead, researchers said that future studies and clinicians should consider the impact of gender and prior cannabis use when using cannabis-based medicinal products, along with whether or not these factors influence the extent of health-related quality of life improvements. Cannabis use for chronic pain is not uncommon. A study released earlier this year found that nearly one in three patients with chronic pain use cannabis for relief. The study also noted that most persons who use cannabis as a treatment for chronic pain reported substituting cannabis in place of other pain medications, including prescription opioids. The observed reduction in opioid use is also consistent with a collection of previous studies finding cannabis access is associated with reduced rates of opioid use and abuse. Another 2023 study, including a total of 8,165 chronic pain patients, similarly found that receiving medical cannabis for a longer duration was associated with a reduction in prescription opioid use. Whew. Another study published in 2022 
found that nearly four out of five research participants reported cessation or reduction in pain medication use after beginning a regimen of medicinal cannabis. Dang. Go cannabis. All I have to say is kick those frickin' opioids to the curb and smoke some weed. There you go. Find the right strain and change your life. Knowledge from Mrs. Weedman. Doctors need to know this. <laughs> if your doctor doesn't understand, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat. Doctors just, we, we've had this discussion so many times. It's still a, an illegal street drug. To many, many doctors. I told you I had that argument. And if you could slowly maybe educate your doctor, I haven't found that pathway yet to doing that. Um, I haven't felt comfortable enough doing that yet, but I would love to be able to help a doctor consider learning about cannabis. Even just from a factual educational perspective, like just educate yourself and then tell me that I can't or shouldn't use it. Yeah. Don't just tell me what you think. Or Actually what you... read read the the research and then let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, don't read books that were that from 20 from, years ago, yes. 30 years ago, right. you know. Yeah. They should uh take a look at Dr. Michellum. Yes. And read what he talked about. Yeah. Guys, well, know. I mean, look at just this. Yeah. There are like five six studies right. and everybody is saying it works. Yep. Works for you. Thousands of of pain actual pain Opioid users say this works better. Works for you. Cannabis works better. You it, it helps you me. sleep. It big helps time. me sleep. Yeah. yeah. And with some of your other ailments too. It works. Yep. Minnesota, soon to be the twenty third state. The House and the Senate both approved. It's going to the governor's desk to be signed after they fix a couple of the policies. So go Minnesota. Can't wait to post that. You are the twenty third state. All right. So here we go. Did Florida legalized cannabis. And when I found this, I was like, oh, this is perfect for Mrs. Weedman. I almost gave it to you to read, but I wanted to read it too so you can concentrate on it. Okay, I'm focusing. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. Did Florida just legalize cannabis? Over the last month, the Florida hemp industry has been lobbying against the proposal to regulate hemp products uh, heavily. Since 2018, the Farm Bill re-legalized hemp across the United States. Florida's hemp entrepreneurs have created thousands of jobs. According to the Farm Bill, hemp becomes illegal becomes illegal cannabis when it contains more than 0.3% THC, but states have gotten around the loophole by using Delta-8 THC, a measure in the Florida House threatened to close this loophole. As Florida Agriculture Commissioner Will Tin Simpson told the press, let me be clear, the current wild, wild west situation, that's weird because you're in the east, so west is Oklahoma. <laughs> Selling any but anything to anybody is going to end. We will close the loopholes in the state and being exploited to sell euphoric recreational cannabis products without restrictions. Except they didn't. They didn't. In fact, Florida lawmakers went the other direction. They eliminated Delta 8 THC caps altogether. Did Florida legalize cannabis? No. Delta 9 THC is still a controlled substance, but with no limits on the other cannabinoids. Florida hemp market is notably freer than many legal states or even legal Canada. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made Florida an example for the world by opposing lockdowns, mandates, yada, yada, yada. Who cares about that? Uh, did Florida legalize it? No, but at this point, they might as well have. As Manatee County House Republican Will Robinson Jr. said, all caps are out, O-U-T. Robinson referred to the amendment to HB 1475 that removes all caps or limits on THC and hemp products. Initially, 
Robinson's build cap THC to five milligrams. Okay, remember, listen to this. HB fourteen seventy five that removes all caps or limits on THC and hemp products. Initially, Robinson build cap THC to five milligrams per serving or fifty milligrams per package. Nikki Free, uh, Freed, former state agriculture commissioner and now chair of the Florida Democratic Party, told the Florida Phoenix. The exact intent of this bill is to eliminate 189,000 jobs and 10,000 small businesses. But Robinson said it's very important to take the, take input from the stakeholders and others. And the stake, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 189,000 jobs. That's a lot. Uh, and the stakeholders certainly gave their input. Over the past month, many traveled to the Capitol to advocate against cannabinoid limits. So while no Florida just didn't legalize cannabis, the government did back down on significant hemp restrictions. And that would be effectively ended the quasi-legalization by capping Delta 8 THC to 5 milligrams per serving. But hemp entrepreneurs won, and Florida's hemp market remains free, or relatively free. Overall, the bill will help hemp products uh, illegal for anyone under 21. Uh, we'll keep it from 21 and under. Uh, there are rules concerning packaging, labeling, and testing. Packaging cannot be attractive to children. But the amendment to no-limit cannabinoids, including Delta 8 THC, was struck down. So a lesson for Canada, they said, and Connecticut and Vermont. Unfortunately, Florida did not legalize cannabis, but um, but fortunately, just uh, one per pen stroke away from doing so. Cannabis prohibition is obviously unconstitutional, and since Florida has no problem butting heads with D.C., that's stopping them from legalizing weed. Florida, with a big question mark. <laughs> like medical cannabis in Canada, during the uh, Stephen Harper years, progress came from the judiciary, not the legislator. In any state or country where to implement a free and fair market in cannabis, the top contender right now would be Florida under the stewardship of the governor. While Florida doesn't have legal cannabis, they are an example of a kind of economic damage uh, THC caps can do for the art of economics is to see the unseen. So uh, THC caps won't work. The idea is that THC caps are a useful tool to prevent harmful overconsumption. But what constitutes overconsumption? That will answer on the individual and their tolerance. And what's harmful about it, cannabis, especially if you compare it to legal substances like alcohol, tobacco, high fructose corn syrup. That's right. No one's died from cannabis. Uh, so THC uh, caps are not a useful tool unless your goal is to support un- uh, a traditional market, untaxed market of cannabis. So did that answer some more of your questions? Mm-hmm. Nice. The first medical <laughs> cannabis dispensary opened in Georgia after years of legal battle. All right, let's go, Georgia. Just go, go, go. Oh, my gosh. Be great. Uh, let's see here. Nevada Assembly calls on Congress to legalize cannabis. Let's go. Hawaii wants clemency for low-level cannabis offenses. Go, Hawaii. You should just be legal there. It's crazy that you're not. Legal cannabis in Kansas and Dorothy and Toto lose steam. Terrible. Uh, Maine representative files bill to allow cannabis interstate commerce. So them in uh, Washington and them in Oregon will just be the only ones being able to to transport it some way, somehow, (laughs) if all it gets passed. Also in Maine, uh, to allow cannabis advertising and deliveries to commercial locations. That's cool. Louisiana lawmakers kill bill to legalize recreational cannabis. Terrible. 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 Just, oh my goodness, so many jobs it would create in Louisiana. Missouri now is accepting some more applications for the next round of, of cannabis licenses. Good for you, Missouri. All right. So I'm going to talk about this real quick. I'm not going to mention the dispensary. 
but I'm going to mention the workers. So uh, Illinois dispensary workers strike when on 420 this year, went on strike at three or four dispensaries here in Illinois. I've, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say this again, and I'm going to say a couple things, and I'm going to let Mrs. Wee Man take over because I might get a little hot. <laughs> Bud tenders are the most important people in the industry. Besides cultivation and the workers on the on the floor and the cultivator, the, the, the trimmers, the packaging, the growers, the bud tenders are the most important because they are the revenue-generating force for all of cannabis because it stops – it starts and stops with them. They are the end. They are the ones that are promoting brands. They're the ones selling brands. They're the ones helping the guests that come through their door on what their needs are for what they want to use cannabis for. And they are selling products for their for their course their dispensaries, but they're also representing every brand that they sell. And they are helping people get their medicine or get their high on or have a good time socially, whatever. They are the end be all when it comes to cannabis. But tenors need to get paid better. People in cultivation need to get paid better. That's why you can't keep anybody. And you rather just be a turnstile business industry, which is going to give everyone a bad taste in their mouth, and then the traditional market is going to win again. Because you're not going to be able to keep people. You can't even get people to work now in the cultivation because they you, you tell them they can grow, 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 grow. The only thing they're growing is the profits of the company. And the same thing in the dispensary. You need to pay people better so they stay and be and work hard and want to enjoy the, the, the cannabis industry and want to make sure to help your business grow and get better. Teach them to be better. If, if a butt tender was had, if this goes to favor of butt tenders, I mean, there's, there's the bartenders union, there's the alcohol liquor union. There is a lot of unions out there, but butt tenders should form their own union. Across the United States, there's enough of you now, over 400,000 people, not only just bud tenders, people in the cannabis industry. I would not go to a union that doesn't understand cannabis, that doesn't care about cannabis. I'm not going to mention any unions, but I would form your own union across the United States. And then you can develop your own pension. You can develop your own fair wage. You can get insurance. You can put enough money into the system by your union dues, your own union dues, not going to some of the other union dues like when you join a different union. It goes through everybody. Form your own union. Become strong. Just don't let one dispensary bud tenders out of three stores walk out. You should have all walked out in support of your, of your brethren and sister in and everybody that works in the cannabis industry. So you have to understand something. If people don't get a fair wage, I told you this business isn't for you to become a millionaire or a billionaire at, everybody should make a fair living and be able to afford a home or be able to invest in properties with the money they're making. I think all people in the industry, the starting salary should be $25 an hour and up. That's just my opinion. A bud tender should start at 25 bucks an hour. People in cultivation, 25 bucks an hour. Start. Hands down. Form your own union across the country. Because once it goes federally legal, it's going to get crazy. And profits are going to go nuts. And the only people who are going to be hurting are the people that are the workers. So... I was talking to Mrs. Weedman about this the other night, and I was recording myself on my phone so I didn't forget this talk. 
because I was stony baloney. It was late at night, and this want to stick up for the bartenders and for the cultivation folks out there because you are important. And going on strike says something. It says that you're not being paid fairly. You're not being heard. But you are hurting the corporate entities and the suits that I don't like because they don't care about you. So go out there and fight for what's yours. Go out there and get a better opportunity for you and for the people you work with, your fellow and, uh, and cohorts of who you work with, and fight for one another across the country. They can't do it without you. Okay? So they think they can, or they think they can go automated, or they think they can go into... A, you matter. You get people what they need. Don't ever forget that. And you at Cultivation too. you get the dispensaries what they need. You're very important also. Don't ever forget it. But tenders, even managers and buyers of these dispensaries are very important. But the bud tenders, man, appreciate you all out there. That's all I'm going to say about that. I cannot believe this. Actually, I can. I can't believe one of them but not the other. I, I People here in the, in the U.S. spent more on legal cannabis in 2022 than what, Mrs. Weedman? Chocolate and beer. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I would have maybe thought, and it's not all a beer. I think it's just craft beer, right? Uh, or is it all beer? It's just beer. Just beer? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's nuts. This is just in the States. Cray, I didn't I didn't think, maybe chocolate, but beer? Man, that's good for you, cannabis. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Weed, man. Crazy. Yep. Americans spent more on legal cannabis in 2022 than chocolate and beer. Uh, a report from MJ Biz Daily showed Americans spent roughly $30 billion on legal marijuana in 2022, while only spending around $20 billion on chocolate. The cannabis purchases eclipsed sales of feel-good products, including beer, opioid medications, and topical pain relief, the report stated. Though the legal purchase of marijuana is becoming increasingly popular, uh, sales still fell behind the... I'm really high. (laughs) (laughs) Sales still fell behind the tobacco industry, which made around $53 billion last year despite a steady decline. I'm surprised. I was surprised to read that that the tobacco industry is still making fifty three billion. A lot of people still smoke. A lot of people still smoke. Is that count? Is that including uh, nicotine vapes too, or is that just uh, tobacco? Just tobacco. Yeah. According to the report, sales of legal cannabis could reach fifty seven billion by twenty twenty eight. The figures come more than a decade after voters in Colorado and Washington approved ballot measures during the 2012 election to become the first U.S. states to legalize marijuana. Marijuana is fully legalized in more than 20 states plus Washington, D.C., and 18 states allow it for medical use. It remains illegal in 12. Even with increased legalization across the country, illegal marijuana sales remain far more common than legal ones, with Whitney Economics estimating that three-quarters of such sales in the U.S. still occur on the traditional market. Strict federal rules for marijuana 
also force difficult business practices for legal dispensaries as they are barred from working with banks and credit card companies to facilitate transactions and instead must be all cash businesses. There is bipartisan effort on Capitol Hill to legalize marijuana at the federal level. Let's hope it happens soon. Lots of lots of money. Lots of money. Yeah, lots of money. I was really surprised that with the smoking though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, weed's going to beat it out in about five years. Yep. There you go. There you and go. they're saying that. I think the last two years, though, more and more people aren't smoking cigarettes anymore. Yeah. It's all going to the vapes, but uh, nicotine vapes. But yeah, the the tobacco industry is seeing a huge hit right now. It's like mm-hmm. one of the worst they've ever seen. Hmm. Sing uh, international news. Singapore um, man got hung over one kilo of weed. 46-year-old Tanjaroju Supia, I probably butchered that, I'm sorry, was executed at dawn last Wednesday in Singapore. Officials executed him, uh, him last Wednesday by hanging. He was found guilty of drug trafficking a kilogram of cannabis into the country. Uh, he was executed. executed? Actually, he was hung. Like, I know, just... Oof. Uh, so, so sad. I mean, imagine being hung in this country for selling an ounce of weed or a pound of weed. That's not right. In any country. I mean, it's wrong. It's just not right. No, no, over a plant. Throw them in jail. And I mean, I know every country has their their laws on stuff, but that's just fucked up. I mean, this is like really fucked up. And somebody needs to talk to that, that country. The, the the law writers, uh, I'm seriously. <laughs> the law writers. Well, the government. I mean, I, I've I, listen. That's an injustice to a human. Mm-hmm. No one should be hung for for anything. But seriously, though, but like over a kilogram of weed, I mean, that's crazy. Throw him in jail then, if you got. But don't kill the person. Man, it's fucked up, Singapore. So, indigenous leaders call on Canada to amend Cannabis Act. Indigenous leaders are calling uh, on Canada's federal government to amend the Cannabis Act to allow for their fulsome participation in the industry after First Nations were largely excluded from the 2018 law legalizing adult-use cannabis. According to a statement issued, the First Nations Leadership Council wants the amendments to cover issues of jurisdiction, economic development, taxation, revenue sharing, and health and safety. Good for them. They should they should be able to have their own dispensaries and be able to participate in cannabis just like anybody else. We like museums. We love museums. Chicago has some great museums. Yeah, we do. Uh, but there's weed museums now. I know. This is pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. So expand your mind at the best museums or weed museums in the whole U.S. Uh, Cannabis museums in the U.S. aim to normalize cannabis use and thwart whatever stigmas still remain by placing it into the context of history. They focus on illustrating its social proliferation, promoting its benefits, creating a showcase of art fueled by it, showing how drug laws have disproportionately affected minority communities, and by simply keeping it in the public conversation, because it's not going anywhere. It wasn't until Mexican immigrants began using cannabis recreationally around 1910 that fear of the drug reared its head. Heavily propelled by xenophobia, propagandists called it 
marijuana menace. And by 1931, 29 states had outlawed it. In 1937, federal law outright banned its sale and use in the U.S. Fast forward to 1986, after the debut of the film Reefer Madness, a rise in counterculture use, the creation of the DEA, and the establishment of High Times Magazine, and President Ronald Reagan signing the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, instituting mandatory sentences for drug-related crimes, and then President Bush started the infamous War on Drugs. But the tide started to turn back in THC's favor in 1996 when California legalized the drug for medical use. These museums are lending a new, energized voice to the larger conversation by creating dedicated spaces for discussion and engagement. And at a couple of them, you can also buy weed. Here are the best, most engaging, and just plain coolest cannabis museums across America. Core Social Justice Cannabis Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. The location of Boston's Core Social Justice Museum is important. Jamaica Plain is a neighborhood of immigrants, a population that usually finds itself a target of drug enforcement officials. The founders of Core persisted, and with leadership spanning 72% women, 82% local investors, 81% minority investors, and a collective 10 years of drug-related incarceration, plus curators, including Ivy League professors and best-selling authors, the Free Museum opened in 2021 in conjunction with the Seed Dispensary. Through personal perspectives, the exhibits examine how drug policies have disproportionately affected low-income and minority populations while making a ton of money for those at the top. There's also a wheel of paraphernalia, a replica of an illicit basement grow room, mugshots of the noteworthy people who have been arrested for drug possession, and a breakdown of the different effects of terpenes, all the better to inform your choice when hitting the attached dispensary. Then we have THC NYC, the House of Cannabis in New York, New York. Opening in April 2023 in a landmarked building in Soho, the 1910 facade of THC NYC belies the multi-sensory, futuristic exhibits within. Covering 30,000 square feet and four floors, there is some serious education, like an installation of interviews with those negatively affected by drug laws designed in collaboration with the Drug Policy Alliance. And 20% of the employees are formerly incarcerated people hired through a second U, a second U, sorry, foundation. But the point of THC NYC is to celebrate, enthrall, and maybe even make you a little lightheaded with an interactive and psychedelic art funhouse creatively directed by a former experiential marketer for Disney. Tickets are $45 a pop, and in the future, they'll have community programming. But you can also hang on the first floor for free, grab some coffee from Jamaican Roaster Sangsters, and shop cannabis-related accoutrement, watch glass-blowing demos, and view cinematographer Ryan Posta's photo series called The Art of Smoke. It's enough to leave you wondering where the time went. Uh, then we have Marijuana Mansion in Denver, Colorado, opened in 2021 in a landmark, probably haunted Victorian estate. It's part event space, part immersive experience with elaborate photo ops and part history lesson. 
This was the headquarters of the Marijuana Policy Project, as well as the birthplace of Amendment 64, which in 2012 made Colorado one of the first states to legalize recreational cannabis. It was later the offices of cannabis law firm Vincent Setterberg, who played an influential role in the legalization movement. Then there's the DEA Museum in Arlington, Virginia. Should DEA Museum be on this list, really? Well, sure, because if you're looking at our nation's criminalization history, this is where you'll find the hardcore evidence. Renovated in January of 2022, the exhibit traces the foundation, or the founding of, the Drug Enforcement Administration in 1973, as well as the science behind drug addiction. Displays including taking down El Chapo, complete with the Mexican cartel leader's prison uniform, original courtroom drawings, and intense gold-plated weaponry. While online exhibits cover everything from cocoa, cannabis, and poppy plants used to manufacture drugs to the history of drug use. For a fun prank on your friends, stop by the gift shop and pick yourself up some branded apparel. Then we have Dockside Cannabis Museum in Seattle, Washington. There was another state that legalized recreational use and sale of marijuana in 2012. It was chill, unassuming Washington. In fact, it was the first state in the U.S. to do so, a full three hours before the centennial state. And so, it makes sense that Seattle is also home to a museum dedicated to the stuff. The Dockside Cannabis Museum celebrates cannabis's short-lived golden age before its prohibition in 1937, with the Worth Shafter collection (laughs) (laughs) of pre-prohibition-era cannabis items. See the glass apothecary bottles that housed tinctures used to treat everything from migraines to anxiety to Parkinson's. When you're ready to find some medication of your own, just track down an on-site bud tender. The museum shares space with Soto, um, their location at the Dockside Cannabis Dispensary. Um, Then we have the Cannabis Museum in Ohio. It's a virtual museum. Among the 10,000 items or so in the Cannabis Museum are many, many bottles. They call them apothecary glass vessels, and they date to the 1830s when cannabis-infused medicine was sold over-the-counter freely in pharmacies. Scanning the ranges of these glass bottles, you get a sense of the drug's hidden mainstream history before its federal ban in 1937. This research museum is open by appointment only, but there's also an informative blog and Instagram for those who want to dabble. Keep an eye on their website. They're occasionally advertising art shows and events. And we have the Cannabis 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 Museum. That's it. In Las Vegas. Uh, This massive, this is planned. It's coming soon. Uh, The massive Planet 13 Weed Superstore in Las Vegas is the site of the upcoming Cannabition, an immersive cannabis museum that fills in any gaps in knowledge Sin City may have when it comes to the more serious side of cannabis consumption. But this is Vegas, so not only will it be educational, it promises to be a doozy. At the helm is creative director David Corrins, who credits include Hamilton, Beetlejuice, and Immersive Van Gogh. So, that's coming soon. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Gotta visit some of those. Yeah, I think we do. Yep. Olympian Tara Davis Woodall stripped of title after testing positive for cannabis. Another. Another one. Another one. As as DJ Kelly would say. So, her and uh, Shikari Richardson... 
both. So uh, this was announced on April 25th. The Olympian long jumper, Tara Davis-Woodall of Fayetteville, Fayetteville, Arkansas, accepted a one-month suspension after testing positive for cannabis. While Davis-Woodall's ban already ended last week, the penalty also, uh, the penalty also includes the loss of the jump title she won in Indoor National shortly before the sample was collected on February 17th. That's wrong. Come on, man. Come on, U.S. anti-doping agency. Get that cannabis off the list. I mean, ugh. Baseball's doing it. Football's doing it. Basketball's doing it. Eventually, all the sports will do it. Just Olympic athletes should. It's not a performance enhancing. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's good for nighttime to help your inflammation and help you relax and get rested for the next day. Don't you want your athletes to stay healthy and and be able to sleep at night and stuff like that? It's not enhancing their performance, though. It's getting their body well-rested to be able to do more performance, to go out there and train harder to go out because their body's well-rested and relaxed. So terrible, terrible that another Olympian. Mrs. Weedman. Mr. Weedman. That's the end of the show. That went so fast. Does. Always does. It always goes so I fast. I know. Uh, got anything else to say? Uh, thank you, everybody, for helping Mr. Weedman pick up the pieces yesterday and for sharing and just giving words of support. We're not going anywhere. No. I mean, why would we? We're trucking on through. <laughs> trucking on through. One bad day will not stop us. No. And like I said, I enjoy the podcast so much. Social media social media. I do what I do because I, I like to talk to people who follow me and I follow them and enjoy the community. And I really don't. That's what it's about to me. I enjoy just hanging out with people and bullshit and getting to know people. I've met I met so many people around the world. And that's another thing that pisses me off. I lost I lost that account. And I've sent stickers around the world to people who have just reached out to me and said hi. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to send you some stickers, you know. And all it's just, ugh, I don't even want to get into it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just hope that person who's still my account uh, loses a little toe. Just a little toe. <laughs> just a little <laughs> Just his little toe. Just the toenail. Little toe, whoever the Wouldn't fuck Wouldn't that be was. so annoying? Yeah. Just to lose No, I just want to lose the little toe. The little, on every the little old crusty pinky toe. Just lose that. I, just, think, I think a toenail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody, thank out there for uh, for supporting us. We appreciate y'all out there. Be kind to one another. We need some peace. We need some love. We need some happiness. We need some big fat doinks in everyone's mouth and some edibles and some everything. Just have some fun. Live your life. Go out there and enjoy it. Make some money that you got to make, but go out there and do what you got to do to just enjoy it because you only, you only die once, right? Got to live every day. That's, that's right. That's how the saying goes, right? So go out there and live your life, everybody. Have some fucking fun. Smoke some doinks. We love you all out there. As Polly always says, smoke smart. Puff, puff, and away. Puff, puff, pass. Check out our cannabis lifestyle brand online at 8decades.com. Our custom smokes and accessories are perfect for your coffee table, bedroom nightstand, or kitchen counter. They're designed for you to show them off. The Canna community is also loving our hemp and cotton blend t-shirts, sweatshirts, scarves, and hats finished off with our 8 Decades logo. We've got some awesome long-lasting goods that will be your favorite for years to come. 8 Decades, because a ninth decade of cannabis prohibition isn't acceptable.